The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. Well, good morning, everybody. Once again, my name is Dave Parton, and I'm uh, happy to be the pastor here. I'm, I'm blessed that um, this community is continuing to just feel the favor of God and be blessed, and we hope that we continue to be a blessing to anyone around us. Um, thank you for coming out on the coldest day of the year, for sure. Uh, hopefully it'll be a very warm evening in victory, if you know what I mean. So that's our hope. Um, a couple things, uh, just just some things that are going on in our community. Uh, if you're a member here at our church, at Neighborhood Church, um, we had a business meeting last week and uh, we passed our budget for this year. So that's exciting. We are in unity and moving forward. And a, a couple things that had happened, I just want to communicate and, um, to those that missed last week's uh, business meeting is, is one, we um, officially hired uh, Maria Proviance as our part-time admin. So she's been up here doing a ton of things at our church and we're blessed to have her. So we can give a hand for that. And then also, uh, we, in our side of our budget, we, we, um, we've chosen as a church to, uh, bring on another full-time, uh, associate pastor. So Joel Reed. So Joel played drums today. He's going to come on this summer as a, a full-time associate pastor. We're excited about that as well. So two things, us as a community, we're blessed to have him. Joel's going to check out downstairs, doing an awesome job at doing a thousand things for our community already. So uh, we feel blessed to have such uh, wonderful people that have been serving and volunteering in so many ways and those that feel called to work within this community. Um, we have, uh, have opportunities for that. So what a sweet season that we are in. So thank all of you as well for give and support the ministries of the church. Uh, if, you, uh, if you arrive here in person or you arrive online and follow us there, we feel blessed to have such a wonderful community. Uh, today we are continuing through our series in Acts. Uh, we're in Acts 18 today. And in Acts 17 last week, one of the things we saw, it's a pretty famous passage, kind of a central uh, kind of narrative that slows down. And as Luke is writing this, this story of the beginnings of the church from starting in Jerusalem to the to the, the far regions of the world, but mostly focusing in the Mediterranean for their, uh, for their travel and, and Paul's life. And one of the places he went was this famous city called Athens. And in Athens, there's a marketplace. It's called Mars Hill. It's kind of a, a place where the town gathers to make decisions. And, and Paul is there and, uh, Luke kind of decides to slow down his narrative and not just give us a general idea, but actually walks us through a little bit of how Paul did ministry. And these are the five things I mentioned last week to, to persuade others, and we saw Paul in his life do this, uh, to, to follow Christ. The first thing that I mentioned was a love for Jesus and a love for the lost. So this, this idea of like you genuinely care for the Lord and those that don't know him yet. Secondly, you see a need for Jesus in that context. So you see the need that they have in their life. Thirdly, we spoke about how you see where God is already at work in their lives and what's going on. Where have you seen that? We saw that where Paul mentioned this, hey, this idol to the unknown God. Let me tell you about this unknown God. He is Yahweh. He is Jesus the Christ. 
Fourthly, you connect the gospel to that need in their context. So he finds their need, shows how the gospel of Jesus can meet that need. And lastly, he offers repentance and salvation through Christ. This is the pattern we see throughout the scriptures, and we see it in our own lives, many of us as well, being um, brought to faith through somebody who ministered to us or a community that ministered to us. And my hope today, that as Rivers even brought up courage, that we would have the courage to live that out in our own lives, and we would get to be the conduit of grace towards Christ for many other people. And courage is kind of a Putting courage into somebody is, is kind of a complicated thing, but it is a, an enjoyable thing. And as I was considering this in my life, uh, different seasons to where courage was being given, it was kind of this idea where you were, maybe you've been given advice in a, a season of your life where somebody else knew some information that you didn't. So they were encouraging you because they knew something you didn't know. Maybe think back to maybe when you were dating your uh, or you were thinking about dating your spouse and maybe a friend knew that he or she kind of liked you and you're like, I don't want to ask. You're like, no, dude, you should totally ask her, man. I promise. You know, it's like this, like you have some information there. That's how all of you talk, I'm sure, right? Secondly, you know, it could be somebody you have some insider information about a job or an opening and you should apply. I think, I really, really think you're going to, you're going to get that job. I have a, a strong feeling about that and, and you maybe followed that advice or maybe a situation where you didn't want to try out for the team and somebody said, no, you're really good and I've seen that team and I know what they're looking for. You should try out for that team or maybe it's some great feat that you weren't quite sure if you could accomplish or not. In all these situations, uh, we're held back by fear, right? We're fearful of failure. We're fearful of our pride getting squashed in some way or another, or actually in some of these situations, physically hurt. We're, fe- we're fearful of being actually hurt. But I hope that you have successful stories where somebody encouraged you, somebody gave you advice, maybe they knew more than you did, and that was passed on to you, and things were better. You got the job, you got to date and marry that person possibly, or maybe you got to be on that really talented team that went really far maybe to the Super Bowl. I don't know if there's any Super Bowl rings in the room, but that'd be cool. You should come tell us that. Or lastly, uh, maybe you did that great feat. And that's my example today. Maybe you jumped off that high tower into the lake. When I was a kid, we lived in Jacksonville, Florida, and my parents loved to go camping on our pop-up. I'm trying to pass the pass this uh, generational love on to my kids as well. So we would go to the lake, and uh, and one thing about Strickland Lake is there was a beach, and uh, I don't know if they do this anymore in public places, but they built this huge dock. And when I was a kid, you know, I'm six or seven years old, it looked like it went out for like three football fields and cut across and it kind of came back. So it kind of hewed in and you could walk on this pier out and it was a big swimming area. It was huge. And all along the pier, they had different towers, like, you know, 10 feet, 15 feet, 20 feet plus. I mean, as a kid, it was like, might as well have been three three stories tall, right? It was just huge towers. And I remember uh, my father, when I was little, telling me, hey, son, I think it's time for you to climb the tower. <laughs> you know, I'd been watching, you know, people jump off these towers as I grew up. And I was like, okay, dad, if you think I'm ready, right? We climb up and I don't even remember which one he started me on. Probably the highest one. That's my father, right? So I'm up, I'm up there and I look down and 
And those of you who have jumped off high things into the water, it's always higher at the top. I don't know why. Maybe because our eyes are higher than, I don't know. It's something when you get up there, you're like, that's dumb. Why would my body do that, right? So up there at the top, I take the step forward, look, and take the step back and go, I think I'm going to go down the ladder of shame over here, Father. You know, he's like, no, Dave, David, that's my name, David, trust me. You will love this. He's like, I've been doing it for years. I've seen kids your age do it for years. It's time for you to do it. So I go to the edge, and I follow his advice. I jump in for one of one million times, right? Like That's all I did every time we went to Stricken Lake was jump off the towers, went all the way to the highest tower. It was the main thing that I loved about going to the lake. But my dad knew some information that I did not know, and I was fearful But I needed somebody to put courage into me because he was aware. In this passage today, we're going to continue to follow Paul in his second missionary journey as he kind of wraps this up in chapter 18. And we're going to learn how the Father, God, shares truth with Paul to encourage him on the mission. He puts courage into him. He's been through some successful towns, But much pain and much oppression has been going on in his life. So let's begin in 18.1. After this, Paul left Athens, as I shared earlier, right, and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native to Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them. Because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. So Paul's in a new city. As you progress through uh, the book of Acts, you see mostly Paul going from one city to the next, starting churches and sharing Jesus. This city is Corinth. So the church that is uh, planted there, uh, finally, is, is the same church that receives those two huge letters we have in the New Testament called First and Second Corinthians. And these letters are rich, in doctrine, rich in direction, because Paul spent so much time there. So today, as we look at this, we're going to see kind of why Paul and how Paul spent so much time there to have such um, uh, so many words of encouragement for them. Corinth, it was uh, uh, the largest, most cosmopolitan city in, in Greece, which was a major region. Uh, it was a major port city, so it, it made it kind of a, a Greek center for lots of cultures, east to west trade, and with it came uh, many undesirable elements, of course, that plague uh, this maritime center of life. And among the Greeks, the word translated to live like a Corinthian mostly meant to live very immoral. So many cultures, peoples, religions, and primarily uh, it was a worship of Greek gods, as even similarly as we saw in Athens. It was the location of the temple of Aphrodite, the goddess of love. And this was the environment that Paul had been called to minister in. 
And even as we saw Paul enter Athens, I think probably he had the same heart when he entered into Corinth. His heart was moved because of all the ungodliness that he was seeing. And I was processing some of this this week, thinking, okay, so Paul, you know, a missionary sent by Christ, he goes into a city and he sees all the godlessness. And he has like this righteous wrath, if you will, of like, why does the heart of man want to run away from God so quickly? But yet Paul chooses to stay. And as I think about that, showing up and seeing all the idols, and trying to get in, my, 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 get in his shoes, I think, what did Jesus feel like? When Jesus shows up to the planet and sees all the hearts of men from a human perspective, and his heart over and over again was moved and we do see that one, or there's probably more than one, but the, we, we know of the one time he went to the temple where it was like this sacred space and Jesus went in with this righteous wrath and just wants to clear it out and say, this space is for the Gentiles to know God. You've made it a den of robbers. And I, I think about this first point that I made earlier, a love for God and a love for the lost. And I just want to begin there today. This must be where all of us start if we want to move anywhere into living a life as a missionary for our Jesus. Is this heart of Jesus who chose to came while we were sinners, he died for us. Paul saying, while I go in this godless city of Corinth that's full of passion and lust, may they know you, Jesus, and right now in your life. Maybe there's environments that you're in that are real godless, Nobody talks about Jesus ever. And the things people talk about are pretty anti what you believe to be good and right. Do you have a feeling inside that moves you to care and love? My hope is that's where you would start today and you would try to seek that in your own life. We learn that Silas and Timothy catch up to them or catch up to Paul. And what is Paul doing? Well, He's sharing Jesus. And in verse 5, we see he's occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. That's what he's doing. He's in the word, and he's sharing Jesus was the Messiah. I want to take a passage from 1 Corinthians 2, where Paul's writing a letter to the very people that he ministers to in this city. Let's read this together. 1 Corinthians 2, 1. And when I, this is Paul writing now, when I came to you, brothers, the people in Corinth, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So we see Paul, from Luke's words, he was in the Word, trying to point out Jesus as the Messiah. We also see in Paul's words, from his letter, he actually writes to this church later in life. 
He's persuading the Jews in the synagogue. Jesus is the Messiah. So point number one today in learning from this passage, we share Jesus in God's power using his word. I think most of us, we don't share Jesus because we don't know what to say in this context or that context or what is their need? What kind of word should I use right now? We don't think that we articulate the, the good news of Jesus very well because we maybe think somebody else could do it so much better. We project that if there was another person here at my workplace that knew that was a Christian, they should be the ones to do it, not me. Because they're so wise and they're so good at it. But Paul was occupied in the word pointing people to Jesus. He was using the scriptures. He, was, he wasn't just using his own wisdom and creativity. And even Paul admits to it in his letter to them. Yes, Paul was really good at it, I think. One of the best. Like if Paul was at your work sharing Jesus with your coworker, you probably shouldn't say, Paul, can I interrupt for a second? Like just, just let Paul go, right? If that's who's at your workplace. But I'm going to assume we probably don't have the Apostle Paul or someone anywhere near that in your workplace. But Paul, one of the greatest, he felt weak. He was fearful as he spoke, even with his apostleship and calling from Christ. And because of where Paul felt like he was, intellectually and the wisdom like, friends, get this. Because of where he was in weakness, Paul connected, well, clearly God's going to get the glory if anyone, anyone accepts Christ. That's good, right? And why is that good for us, church? Well, if Paul was weak and he shared the gospel with people and they came to faith in Christ... What about us in our, in our weakness? I am no Paul the Apostle by any means. I'm not a Pharisee, a Pharisee in the knowledgeable side in any means. So if I say anything about Jesus to anybody and they're even interested, it's like, oh my goodness, the Spirit of God must have shown up. So for you, can you say that today? Knowing that you're willing to Offer your testimony or offer the love you have for Jesus for other people. And just knowing that if anything happens, it's got to be God. That is my hope for us, that we share Jesus and God's power using his word. And we share in our weakness so that in the end, anything that happens good, God gets the glory. I'm not saying don't study more. <laughs> Become more dumb in the scriptures. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying we should seek to know more and more and more. But we cannot use that as an excuse to not share. Even the greatest of theologians, the more you know about the Bible, the more you realize you don't know about God. It's one of those books. And my hope is, is that you will be encouraged today because it's God's power and God's word that does the work.
So let's continue reading in 18.6. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians hearing Paul believed and were baptized. So just like city after city, we've been tracking the ministers, Peter and Paul, through the region. There's oppression. And some accept, some Jewish brothers and sisters accept the message, like Aquila and Priscilla. But there's a oppression. There's, there's an opportunity for mostly the Jews to incite mobs to destroy these messengers of God. Let's remember John's gospel. John 1.9. This is Jesus talking about Jesus. John writes this, The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. That's Jesus coming to the Jews. And his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So Jesus himself, he came to his people, the chosen people, the biological family through Abraham. The Jews opposed this message of Jesus being the Messiah. They requested that the Gentiles kill him, and they did through crucifixion. But the story is not over with Jesus. After his crucifixion, his burial in a borrowed tomb, Jesus rose again in power. And this is why we get to stand before anyone in this world and preach and proclaim the good news of Christ because of what Jesus has already done. Our glorious Jesus is alive and with all of the children of God. He has conquered sin and death. And to all who receive him as Savior and Lord, he will give the right to become a child of God. And this is a message for everyone. And it's also Paul's message. So when they oppose him, Paul said, all right, you guys. He keeps doing this. This is a pattern we keep seeing in Acts. All right, you guys, I'm done with you. And you know how far away Paul goes from the synagogue? Next door. <laughs> and what do we find out in the ministry alongside justice there? The ruler of the synagogue comes to faith in Christ. His whole household believes and is baptized. God's doing something great. And Paul continues to stay faithful to his message. Jesus came for all, but not all except him. But for those that God has chosen and put before his missionaries, many will come to faith in Christ. 
Let's read Acts 18.9. And the Lord said to Paul, One night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Paul rarely stayed anywhere, even six months. So what's so special about this vision? As we kind of wrap up with our last point today. In this vision that God gives Paul, we see an encouragement, a directive, a promise, and a reality. What's the encouragement that we see? Do not be afraid. Don't fear. I'm with you, Paul. Courage. You're not alone. I am with you. What's the directive? Go on speaking. Don't be silent. Keep sharing about the name of Jesus using the word of God. What's the promise? You'll be safe here. No one's going to attack you here. Then what's the reality? This is a life changer. I have many in the city who are my people. What is God revealing to Paul in this vision? God's at work, and Paul's work's not going to be in vain. God knows what is true, and he's encouraging Paul to not give up. There's information that the father knows that he tells his kids to let his kids know, this is what you should do. Trust me. This is a reality in the upside-down kingdom. Point number two, God is already at work. God is already at work in this city before Paul even shows up. That's good news for us, right? We come to a new city. We don't have to think, all right, it's a blank slate. Nothing's ever happened here before, ever. We realize that God is working way before us. There's good works for each of us in this room that God has already prepared for us to do in the future. God has many hearts that he is softening and they're ready to hear the good news of the gospel. Friends, do you believe that God has people in your home, in your extended family, on your teams at work, on your streets, on your teams or your kids' teams, where God is already at work. I believe there's hundreds, maybe thousands, right here around this building that God is already at work. He just wants us to be faithful and go into the fields and share the good news. Amen? Amen? Is that what we want to be a part of in this church? Is knowing that God already has people 
How does Jesus share it? These are the words of Jesus. These two passages, as in my study in my 20s, connected a lot of dots for me to be called into the ministry. This passage in Acts 18 and this passage in John 10, 24. So the Jews gathered around Jesus and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Verse 25, Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. May we be encouraged today, knowing that I believe there are people all around us that God is calling into his family. And when he sends out missionaries, he sends out us. When I say missionaries, I'm talking about us. He sends out his church. And when I say church, I don't mean a bunch of group, like philosophical word. I mean us. When God sends out his church, what he is doing is saying, hey, I have people that, that I'm calling out to. And I want to use your hands and feet and mouth to call them home. And what's the good news? My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. As Rivers and I considered to do ministry in different places, especially when we finally decided, even before we knew where we were going to move overseas, I was reading through Acts and I began to think, hey God, wherever you move us, I'll believe you that you're going to have people there ready to hear the good news. And I want to be faithful to share it. And that motivated us. When we came back to the States, we want to keep the same passion and energy. Does everybody that knows me know the gospel? And my hope for you is that when we read passages in Acts, there's a, there's a theme week after week. And my hope is for all of us, it's get deeper and deeper in our heads and our hearts. God's calling me to be a missionary. Wherever I am, does everybody that know me, do they know that Jesus Christ died for them and they could accept him and receive him as their Savior and Lord? May we be encouraged this morning, not because of our, some skill we have. May we be encouraged this morning because of the weakness that we have and the power of God that's already at work all around us. So knowing these truths, here's some questions for us today. What is the Spirit of God calling you to do today? And for those that take notes, there's only two points today. I know it's confusing sometimes, but just two points today. What is the Spirit of God calling you to do today? Well, maybe the first group is you need to repent of your pride and trying to live your life on your own power. You've been trying to figure out your life for a long time. And the message is clear. We must receive Jesus as our authority and our Lord and come under his 
strength, power, and direction. We must admit, admit that we have sin that needs forgiveness and put our faith in him. If this is you today and you're watching online, email me, text me. If you're here in the building, come find me. Talk to somebody who invited you. Talk to a nice Christian who maybe met you today and said hi to you. Say, I would like to know more about what it means to follow Jesus and become a Christian. The second group is maybe you're just fearful about talking to other people about Jesus. And you don't talk about God with anyone because you don't want to feel any opposition. And I hope today that you will see a bigger picture of what we're being called to do. We have a big God. He has a desire to grow his worshipers and display his name to the whole world because it is the satisfaction for all who will believe. Will you be willing to love others and share words with others about why you live the way you live? Because it is power of salvation. My hope is that you would trust that he is already at work in many of the people's lives that you know. And many of them may be called into his kingdom soon through your ministry. Let's pray for these two things as we close. Father, I thank you so much that you're at work. We don't start from scratch ever. And may that motivate us, encourage us to go and be faithful witnesses for you. That we would, we would let other people know why we have the hope that we have, the joy we have, the, the, the pillars and strength of life decisions that we have. Father, direct our paths to people. Give us visions. Give us names in our prayers. And guide us to how to best communicate. Ask questions. And share your good news with them. And Father, I pray for anyone that's listening or here today. That if they don't know you, that they would consider giving their life to you. Dedicating their life under your authority personally, but then also wanting to give that away. We ask all this in your name. Amen.